Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord possibility may be opening up a, an avenue to help a church of a different faith, different race, mainly than what we, whatever. A uh, minister that um, that I work with, uh, his name is Elder Michael Williams. And uh, he pastors a church in Nashville, uh, a black church. It's uh, St. Eli UPB Church. Now, what all those letters stand for, I don't know. Um, but this man took the place. Uh, and uh, he told me, he says, it was, he had really gotten off course from what it ought to be. And uh, the former pastor, from what he says, having the people follow and worship man rather than God, said that uh, when, he, when he got there, said it even had the, had the pastor's initials. On the pulpit. <laughs> he said that was the first thing to go. He said that ain't he said that ain't that wasn't his pulpit, that's God's pulpit. And uh a lot of different things he told me that uh he said he's been struggling and working and trying to get the church on track and uh, he told his deacons, he says uh he says, No, the church is not gonna grow uh, and be blessed by God until until the church starts doing things right. And uh, he and I have talked off and on briefly. He came over to me Friday. This coming week's going to be our last week. And uh, he said, he says, he says, I just want to want you to know. He said I've enjoyed talking with you off and on this past year. And um, he says, I, he says, he was talking kind of slow and everything, and he was trying to trying to fill fill me out, I guess. He said, uh, uh, he said, he says, you and your congregation uh, 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 believe in open worship with with anybody of race or language or or, or whatever, and. Um, I told him, I said, well, brother, I said, let's, let me put it this way. I'm looking forward to the day that uh, you won't hear people say, this is a black church over here and this is a white church over here. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. It's invisible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, we're saved by the blood, as I talked about a while ago. And uh, I don't care where blood comes out of, it's all red. Hallelujah. 
Glory. Amen. And uh, he kind of he kind of lightened up a little bit, you know, when I when he heard me say that. And uh, he pulled out his card. He says, he says, I realize. He says, y'all uh, are not in your own facility right now, and you're waiting to get rebuilt back, and uh, and all and all that. And but he handed me hand me this card. He says, he says, I'm giving you and your congregation an open invitation. Whenever you feel like God leads you, to give me a call. He says, I'd like you come preach and bring some of your people with us. He says. He said, I decided a long time ago, I just talked to you. He says, he says, I got to hear this man preach. Hallelujah. Now, from what I can pick up, this church has been through all kind of stuff, and they got into all kind of teaching and everything else that ain't quite right. But you know what? This, this is the kind of church that could be just right for revival and seeing everybody from the pastor on down, amen, get a little bit more than what they got. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm just praying and seeking the Lord, and uh, if God opens up that door, we're going we're gonna to step into it. Hallelujah. Amen. I, this, man, that just thrilled me, and uh, uh, and I, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. Hallelujah for that. God is definitely trying to do something in this day and hour we're living. Amen. He's trying to do something. Amen. And uh, I want to be a part of what um, uh, the Lord's trying to do. Um, let's get into the Word uh, right now. And uh, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah, the 59th chapter, uh, verses 12 through 15 is our text. I'm going to preach to you a text that I have looked at and read. And I may have even... I may have I've quoted it one time or another, but never have preached on it. Isaiah 59, chapter 1 through 15. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Now this is Isaiah here talking to the Lord about the nation of Israel. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt concerning the uttering from the heart of words of falsehood. Verse 14, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street. And equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. Mighty God, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for this service. Thank you for the presence of you that we have felt here already. We pray for all those who got her out of town and will be traveling, coming back home. Give them a safe trip, Lord. Be with them. But right now, speak, God, to us the words that you have designed for those that are here today to hear. And everything's accomplished. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like sometimes 
you might see on, on television before a certain program comes on, they'll have a, a disclaimer. I want to tell you up front that I, I hate being put into position as a minister to have to deal with some things that sometimes you don't have no choice. You're forced to have to deal with. Uh, and the things that are going on right now are happening so fast, it's totally mind-boggling. I never, I never thought in my younger days that I'd ever live to see some of the things that I see today. I can't imagine what my dad would think about some of the things if he was to come back and just drive around the streets of Nashville. But we are living in that time. We're living in a time where truth is being trampled in the streets. When certain things happen and certain leaders, be they political or religious or otherwise, stand and proclaim a loud voice, the nature of the calling within me cannot help but scream out. Thinking of the words of the prophet, cry aloud, spare not, and lift up thy voice. Verse 14 says, Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off. Looking on, so to speak, while truth has fallen and being trampled in the street. Just let me go ahead and get into this. I don't know how far we'll go. We might, we might have, we might do some continuation next uh, next time. I don't know. but As the hands on the time clock swiftly tick toward the tribulation and the great white throne judgment, the warning signs along the road of time are becoming more frequent as the perplexities and calamities of this closing age are beginning to grip our hearts. And the foundation of our world and society are shaking violently and crumbling away. The scriptures are filled with prophecies concerning the natural, economical, and social disasters that will engulf the entire planet during these perilous and struggling times. But they also foretell foretell uh, of false Christ, false religion, and a great apostasy which will occur, paving the way for the man of sin to proclaim himself as the only God, and the world will believe his falsehood and lies. 
Now the text which I read for today depicts a time in Israel's history to where they rejected the way of God and followed their own ways. The prophet Isaiah said that truth had fallen in the streets. In other words, the truth was not valued. Amen. He is painting a picture of something that somebody might get a hold of. Amen. And when that person looks at it and holds it in their hand, they don't perceive of it to have much value, so they just kind of wide it up and toss it. Hallelujah. I have been in parking lots of malls and shopping centers where people would go through the area and, and they would post some type of uh, pamphlet or bulletin on the windshields of people's cars. And you can watch them one by one as they come out and walk up to their car and, and, and grab what's on the windshield and look at it. And then after they give it a quick glance, they just kind of wad it up and toss it aside because it, it don't, it, it, it's, it's not for them. It's not of any value to them. Amen. They don't care about it. Matter of fact, they might got a little upset because somebody put it on their car. Well, in this day and age we're living, the world is treating truth the same way. It's not being valued no more. We don't hold a value. We don't do what the writing of the book tells us in His Holy Word to buy the truth and sell it not. Hallelujah. Instead, we're ready to give it away to the highest bidder. Or just get rid of it altogether. Truth is not valued. It was trampled in the streets under the foot of degenerate men. All this was done prior to the judgment of God by the destruction of Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem being deported off to Babylon. This was the time in Israel's history where Isaiah was talking about. He said, we know our iniquities. We know them. We've been lying against the Lord, departing from God. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off. And truth has fallen in the street. Don't you realize God said He chose Jerusalem and he, it was the apple of His eye and He chose Jerusalem and the temple there to be the place to put His name? It had to be something very grievous for God to step back and let the Babylonians through Nebuchadnezzar to come in and burn the place down and carry the people off captive. But it happened. Now, since I've told you that to lay the foundation of what I'm speaking about today, in similar fashion, the Bible predicts a falling away from truth in the last days. Now, we've been, we've been, we hear a lot about a last day end time revival, and uh, we talk about that a lot because maybe our hearts really desire we want to see revival and all that. But I want you to understand, I want you to go away from here leaving an understanding with a knowledge of something today, that the Bible predicts in the last days there's going to be a great falling away. 
And that word fallen away, if you'll look it up in the original, it is apostasy, the Greek word apostasy. Apostasy. And the Word of God says people will be fallen away. Truth will be cast down in the streets and trampled on by smooth-talking preachers, power-hungry politicians, and reprobated men, men seeking only to gratify the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We got to wake up and smell the coffee. We're too trustworthy sometimes. Sometimes we open up our doors too easy. When we better, the Bible says that we should be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. It's hard for us to believe and imagine there would be somebody trying to knowingly and openly deceive somebody. But man, we got a world full of the smooth-talking preachers and the power-hungry politicians, reprobated people seeking only to gratify their lust. And church, all of this is leading up to the ultimate deception and crowning of the Antichrist as God and world dictator, causing everybody to fall down and worship Him. Hallelujah. Does the Bible say it? Yes, it does. Is it going to come? Yes, it is. And I want to tell you today that the process has already begun. The world is now reshaping morality and what is perceived as right and wrong. I mean, it's just amazing to me how everybody from preachers to presidents and everybody else wants to try to take that word morality and tear it apart and reshape it into meaning something what they want it to mean. We're living in a day that another place in the Bible says men would call evil good and good evil. We're living in that day. Hallelujah. Reshaping morality. Political leaders, church leaders, and the mass media are united in a joint cause to reinvent their own kind of faith and religion where godliness, righteousness, and the truth of the Bible has no place or authority. My Lord, I wish God would give us a platform that we could stand on nationwide TV and preach this message. It's already begun. Truth is being trampled in the streets of America. And also the world. What is right is not valued. Everything has got to be politically correct. But I stand and proclaim to you today that I'd rather be morally right than politically correct any day of my life. And God help them to be more men and women with enough backbone and guts to stand up and declare truth hallelujah, and say what the Word of God says despite of what everybody else is doing and saying. I want to talk to you a little bit about the dangers of a pick-and-choose faith. 
the dangers of a pick-and-choose faith. Second Timothy chapter 4. Now, I've, I've quoted this scripture here recently in another message, but I, I'm going to bring it out again right today. Second Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For Paul told Timothy the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. Now, I've often wondered just what it is that leads people to the point and place that truth is thrown out the door into the streets to be trampled under the foot of men. I've often wondered about that. What, what, what leads people to look at the truth of the Word and to see no value to it and just to toss it aside to be trampled by anyone who comes along? But then I realized that it starts when we treat the gospel and word of God like a buffet spread. Can I preach just a few minutes here now? All this stuff begins as we as Christians today are going to the church houses and we approach the word of God like a huge bu buffet spread. Well, you, well, Brother Sammy, remember the old song? Jesus has a table spread for the saints of God are fed. Yeah. But bear with me a little bit, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that spread. Hallelujah. Uh, we treat the Word of God and the Gospel like a buffet spread and serve ourselves rather than allowing God to fix our plate and serve us. We go out to the big buffet place, the smorgasbord, and we'll get the plate, and we'll walk down through there, and we're going to decide what we want and what we don't want. We don't like the looks of it. We'll bypass something, look over here. But we're, as adults, we're just about as bad as children. You know, if you're a mom, mom and dad, you cannot just let the child go and pick what they want. They'll go straight to the dessert bar. Some of you wouldn't mind doing that yourself. We like comfort food. We go on the big buffet spreads and we Choose those things that appeal to us. Come on now, I'm going somewhere with this. Hallelujah. We had rather go there and pick the things out our own so we can pick what we want, choose what we want, and then leave the rest. And we could care less whether the rest of this over here stays and never gets touched again because it just don't appeal to me. I don't like that over there. That That's a pick and choose thing. And there's a danger when we include it in our religion or in our faith. Let me say our faith. 
the dangers of a pick-and-choose faith. Apostle Paul told Timothy in the verse that we read that basically in the last days, and let me just give you my translation of it, Paul told Timothy that in the last days, churchgoers would gather up preachers who would only serve them what they want and disregard the rest. Hallelujah. In the commentary, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, a Bible commentary that I, that I, that I look to quite a bit, it says of this verse that people would search out teachers who would suit their depraved taste. Do you know what? Truth be told, that's the real main reason why for a lot of the church hoppers that can't stay, can't get grounded and settled one place and get under a ministry. Because as long as he's feeding them their comfort food, they're fine. But when he starts putting out some other stuff that they don't like the taste of, let me check out the restaurant down the street over here. Hello, somebody. Come on. If you come to the house of God to hear a word from God, you don't have the right to pick and choose what you're going to receive and what you're going to disregard. If the preacher is in the book, you must receive what the word offers. Personal belief and personal convictions and taste should never come into play. If a man of God is preaching and he's in the book and he's under the anointing of God, you do not have the right to say, but my personal belief, my personal conviction, or my personal taste is something else. You don't have that right. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Glory to God. Whether or not you realize that somebody else greater than you owns your life. preachers in the book. We need to receive what the Word offers. But you know what? Every Sunday, every Sunday, church parking lots are littered with truth that has been preached from the pulpit but discarded and trampled on as we get into our cars and head home. Hallelujah. I'll take that of what Pastor's saying. I'll take some of this, not quite as much, but I will take a little of it. But this over here, no way, no how. Just like when I was a kid, there was no way you could hog tie me and force turnip greens down my throat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nothing green you could hog tie me and force down my throat. Hallelujah. But as I matured, there ain't nothing suits me more than a big old pot of turnip greens and some uh, and some pinto beans with a hunk of onion on the side and some cornbread and a good cold glass of buttermilk. 
And there you go. I'll just prove the point. Some of us said, that sounds good. The others are sitting here. <laughs> Hello, somebody. It's all right. It might be all right in the natural, but not in the spiritual sense. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites His chosen people to come and dine. Am I going to walk up to my King and Savior who gave His life for me? Hallelujah. And He's got something spread for me. And I'm not going to say, Lord, I'll take this, 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 and that. But you just push this off to the side. Give my portion to Sister. Hey, amen over here. Let, amen. Let Sister Kathy have that. It don't work that way, does it? But think about it. I told you a while ago about people pulling off pamphlets and flyers off their windshields and throwing them up and tossing them aside. Every Sunday morning, church parking lots are littered with truth that has been preached. But left watered up and littered on church parking lots. And then we got the nerve to ask God, why aren't we having revival? Why can't our families be saved? Why can't so-and-so be healed or this or that or the other? Hallelujah. There's a danger involved in a pick-and-choose attitude between you and your God. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you, do you know God gave a principle to his men when he sent them out to minister he says, when you go somewhere to minister, he says, uh, and somebody takes you into their home to, uh, to, to serve you and to take care of you while you're there, you, he said, you, you need to eat what's set before you. I remember one time going down, down the country, outside Dover, to the area where my dad was raised, and uh, to see some of his kinfolks. Now, this was a few years back. I, I, was, I, was, I was fairly young. I was only about seven, seven eight years old. Uh, but I was, um, I was born and bred Sydney Slicker. And uh, we got there and uh, kind of late one evening and there wasn't a whole lot of time to fellowship. The time we got there, and it wasn't long. They was pulling out, uh, pulling out the pallets and uh, and all that stuff, and getting a place for everybody to lay down for the night and rest. And, and uh, it was next next morning, uh, bright and early. Uh, breakfast was being cooked, and uh, man, it's it's it smelled good. And I go down there and sit at the table, and there. They're sitting beside the plate. They told me to sit with this big, tall, huge glass of milk. And there was a little bit of frosty, you know, and dripping down. And man, I, I grabbed that and took a big gulp. And I, oh, Lord! I said, what in the world's wrong with you? I said, that's cow's milk. <laughs> Dad said, it's all cow's milk, son. What's your problem? The problem was, this was fresh milk. This was milk. This was milk 
that somebody had sat out there in the barn and did this number with not too long before. Hallelujah. And even growing up in town, uh, as we lived here in town, uh, 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 my mom and dad, uh, back in the day before uh, uh, Purity Dairy put all the, the smaller business out of, uh, companies out of, out of business. Anybody remember Jersey Farms? And that was one. And uh, uh, Country Maid was out here on Watts Creek Pike. Uh, and uh, they would come and deliver that milk in glass quart jars and set it on the front porch. And Mom would have me go out there and get that stuff. And, and, and when you brought it in and set it on the table, um, uh, Brother Wayne, there was about that much of cream on the top of that stuff. You know, this, this was milk that had been processed and homogenized. It was later on down. It's amazing, you know, how things change. But <laughs> I was no way I was going to drink that cow's milk. It was a whole lot thicker than any milk I ever drunk before. And uh, I said, I don't want that. And I thought my daddy was going to knock me upside the wall. Boy, you don't go to somebody has something. And then, of course, they said, oh, we'll, we'll find something else for him to drink and everything. He's just not used to that. But we do the same thing when it comes to when God is trying to lead us to a closer walk with him. A, a, a greater encounter. There's a lot of folks who would just love for God to use them more through prophecy and to be able to, to give a word to somebody. But they can't attain it. They can't reach that because they're, they're still picking and choosing what God wants to give them. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's dangers. We wind up finally taking truth and watering it up and casting it in the street to be trampled on by the foot of men. Some kind of way, we've got to see this and perceive this. And we've got to stop it before it's too late. Hallelujah. Because it's not the way God designed it. Can you say amen? amen. Let me go on to the second point. I want to talk a little bit about costume prophets. Costume prophets. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. The words of Jesus. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. One of the greatest contributors to truth being cast in the streets are the wolves dressed in the costume of a lamb. Amen. Hollywood makeup artists can do remarkable things. They can take a 30-year-old actor and cause him or her to look like an 80-year-old man. And no one would ever know the difference. I remember nowadays it's no problem because... Most of that stuff nowadays, they got, they got the newer versions of Planet of the Apes come out, and um, those are not actors at all. You know, all that stuff is com computerized uh, graphics now, you know. But back in the day, back in uh, uh, when all those Planet of the Apes movies 
used to come out, they was all actors, and man, it was just amazing how they could dress those people up. It was amazing what they could do. But thinking about that, how much more don't we realize how Satan, with his power of deception, can take one of his wolves from hell and make him or her look like a harmless little lamb? You got them on the TV now, both men and women. With great big mighty ministries. Leading hundreds of thousands of people. But themselves, along with everybody that follows them, is trampling right over truth that has been cast in the street. In fact... Satan has no problem in transforming his own self into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Listen to what it says here. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves unto apostles of Christ. And no wonder, or no marvel, King James says, no wonder... For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing for his ministers also to transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Take this warning from Pastor. Please don't never fall in deception. I'm telling you right now, church, they look good, they smell good, and they make you feel like we are all floating to heaven on a nice fluffy cloud. But beware, that cloud can turn black in a moment's time and blow you off into oblivion. What did he say? False apostles, deceitful workers, transforming himself as apostles, wolves in sheep's clothing. The two major things and issues of this century that we're living in that's heading us into tribulation and God bringing judgment upon the world is abortion and this gay rights thing. The Lord showed me that many years ago that those two things was going to be it. Now, it's one thing. It's one thing when you've got these, these secular people in the news media and Planned Parenthood and all, all, all such as like that and uh, uh, hungry, vote-craving political men and women trying to get everybody's vote they can. It's one them for them to stand up and say that abortion is okay and that uh, homosexuality is all right. But when you got people stand up, supposedly religious leaders, and justify the same thing, you don't have a true minister of the gospel. You've got a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
You don't, you don't have a godly president. You've got one, amen, who's dressed up in deception. Just this past week, I watched a short video of a man who pastors probably now the largest church in America. He is a feel-good preacher, a motivational speaker. And he's got the style and the way about, about him that makes just about anybody sit and watch him. He's caught my attention more than once. I've sat there and I've watched him. Listen to some of the things that he says. And you see the crowds of people. And it makes you, with all that's within you, want to believe that this thing and this man is right. And this is a... And all those people are going to make it to heaven following this fellow. But when he goes on Larry King Live and he says I'm not going to say that gays can't make it to heaven. That ain't quite the ministry God has called me to do. He's called me to encourage people not to do this, this, and this. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And he's exactly the kind coming up in this last days that's leading the whole world down a path that's going to finally cause everybody, even in religion, to believe the Antichrist and accept the mark of the beast. They're not go- they ain't going to look evil from the outside. They're going to look good. They're going to smell good. They're going to talk good. They couldn't mislead nobody if it was any other way. And then... There was another guy. I don't. I did, first time I'd seen him sitting there at the table, talking with somebody who had come out of the closet and is gay now, and, and he was talking to him. And this guy was trying to find out some answers about whether um, could be right or be wrong. And here was this guy sitting there in his black suit and his turned collar back around. Side backwards. That white collar. And he looks there and he tells that guy who's crying out for help and truth. He tells him. He said, listen, you being gay is a gift from God. I would never think that I'd ever hear a minister, supposedly a minister of the gospel, talk such trash. And as I said in the beginning, 
I, I'm repulsed at having to stand up and have to deal with stuff like this. I don't want to have to deal with stuff like this. But I'm compelled within me. Like the prophet of old Jeremiah said, I did, when God told him to stand up and cry against the sins of the people, Jeremiah says, oh, he says, I says, I wasn't going to talk about it no more. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say nothing. But Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. I, hallelujah. And if it takes my life, if, I, if I'm put in the jailhouse, or what else, I'm going to have to tell what God said the Lord says. It's the truth. It ain't got nothing to do with hate, but it's got to do with truth. One part of it saddens me. I have mixed emotions. One on one side, I'm saddened. I'm heartbroken. But then on the other hand, on another side, I begin to get angry. Something a little about what the Bible talks about: righteous indignation. What about it? makes you angry, Brother Sammy. I'm glad you asked, I tell you. It's one thing if somebody wants to choose a lifestyle like that and live it, that's between them and God. That's all right if they want to. You know, that's them. But when they choose that and then they want to try to bring it into the Word of God and make make it all right by biblical standards. That's what gets me mad. When our president gives his interview and talks about how he's evolved. Oh, really? Okay. And starts giving all these reasons of why he believes that people of the same sex should be allowed to be married. That's one thing. But when he says, it, I make part of this decision by my Christian belief and faith, I say that's bull and hogwash and a lie straight out of the pits of hell. No matter who says it. Because it's false doctrine, false teaching. And it's all a part of the ploy. Hallelujah. Through religious leaders with big crowds and big churches and political leaders to slowly gather people with the idea. Say, oh, let's just create an utopia here and can't we all just get along and... Uh, you know, what you, what you believe really don't matter. That's another lie, my friend. Oh, but look how sincere they are. Sincerity ain't got to do with squat. You can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. That's exactly right. Hallelujah. Sincerity, something I was taught many years ago that Brother uh, 
uh, Ronald Denton taught me as I was when I was going uh, to Bible college over here in the other building, the Apostolic Bible College, back in the eighties. He says we're beginning to get into an age and era where people is going to start believing and thinking that sincerity of attitude is more important than the content of belief. Every wild man that ever tied a bomb around his waist and became a suicide bomber did it because they sincerely believed they was going to wake up on the other side and here stands Allah and say, right here is your 70 virgins. That's what they're teaching. 72, 72 all right. Hallelujah. They're sincere in that, though, in their belief. How could a man take his own life, stuff a bomb himself, amen, and, and, and set the thing to blow himself to pieces if he wasn't sincere in what he believed? So people just being sincere in what they believe, that's not going to cut the cake. And we're all this stuff is heading up, and I'm, 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 I'm going to wind up, but it's getting us all to the point to break down all religions to where there's one world religion and break down all borders to where there's one world government headed by the Antichrist the false prophet. The false prophet will be able to be like Elijah and even call far down from heaven, the Bible says, to deceive people. Listen, don't never get tied up in somebody just because you can, oh man, they're doing all kind of miracles over there. We shouldn't be following after miracles. We should be following after truth. I don't care what a man can do or seemingly can do. You check his fruits. You check what he's preaching. And if he ain't in the book, let me tell you something. Jim Jones started out right. He had a mind to do something for God. He started the church on his own because he tried pastoring a couple other churches. But they, the churches that he pastored, they was all they was narrow-minded, and they they uh, they were dead, and they didn't really want to do nothing for God. And he he finally makes a statement. He says, "I'm not going to limit myself to people who won't stretch out themselves in faith no more." So he starts his own church called the People's Temple. And they start out with doing good things, feeding the hungry and the homeless. Money came in from everywhere. 
Church grew and grew. People everywhere was talking about what Jim Jones was doing and what Jim Jones was accomplishing. Till one day, Jim Jones began to believe his own press reports. He began to think more of himself than he should have thought. And standing one day in that big church with all them people, he had a Bible, they say, in his hand. I'm preaching about truth being trampled in the streets. I'm told he took that Bible and he pitched it down. And he turned around and told that vast crowd of people, don't worry about that no more. God has ordained me to lead you. And I will tell you from this day forward what you need to know. Now those people should have got up out of their seats. At that time, not, not, not even waited to the benediction. They should have got up and walked out the door. But because they sat there mesmerized by man, they began to trample on truth. And it wasn't but two or three years later that they found those people who should have got up out of their seats and left they found 969 men, women, and children face down on the ground after drinking poison Kool-Aid because that man told him to drink it. I'm amazed at that. My Lord, I, I've preached all my life, Brother Rich, trying to get people just to pay their tithes faithfully. Be the church on time. Love the Lord and love one another. I can't even get people to do that. What what happened if I was pulling the big big barrel of uh, Kool-Aid next Sunday and said, let's all take some of this now? That, that, that's beyond my comprehension. How in the world, how in the world is a mama fixing a, a hand a cup of, uh, of Kool-Aid tainted with poison to a two or three old year old kid that she gave birth to. But yet, they did it by the hundreds. That goes to show you that people will follow anything but truth. And they'll follow any man but Jesus. I guarantee you, I know exactly what I could do within. A, a couple weeks' time, probably, to when we meet here on Sunday afternoon, I, I, could, I could do some things that just about fill this place up. But I'm not after followers. I'm not seeking followers. I just want to declare the truth. That will take you through when the world's on fire. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise.
I didn't finish this, but I'm closing. I want to give you one last scripture found in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Uh, Paul, when he was leaving the field and headed to Rome, he called the elders together of all the churches. He knew that he would never see them no more. And this is what he's part of what he told them. Verse 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Paul said, I know this is going to happen when, I'm, when I leave. The devil's going to send his wolves in in their lamb's costume. And even from among you, there are going to be some preachers and some teachers that I've tutored, I've mentored, and I've trained. He's going to have a change of heart and spirit. And you're going to try to build a following and a crowd. Don't really love the flock. Don't really care for the flock. You're a harling. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And he proved that. He proved that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I haven't yet all the way laid down my life. But I promise you this. And my wife can testify this is the truth. Not just here in this assembly, but other places that we have been. I've let the love of the flock literally make me sick in my body because of concern. I don't want to. I don't want to see nobody that I've ever ministered to that be lost. I want to see everybody to be ready. But if you're going to be ready, you can't just pick and choose. You've got to open up and receive everything God wants you to receive. Hallelujah. Everybody stand together.